Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. Can you hear me? I just want to make sure. Yes, we can. Okay, great. Yes, my, name, <laughs> my name is Anita Jade and I'm a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 20th, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 101, the second paragraph, which begins, in any, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism, and we're going to read through two more paragraphs, ending with, but if you are shaky, we'd better work with another alcoholic instead. Um, the reference for uh, yesterday, Monday, September 19th, is 9090. Today's readers are Penny C. and the 12 Steps, Diane G., 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text this morning are Martha D., Katie F. and Urini. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Penny C. to read for us the 12 Steps. Good morning. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. These are the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted that we were powerless over over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, 
humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do this would injure them or others. Continued, ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our fears. Thank you very much, Penny. And now I'll ask Diane G. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, a recovered, not cured, compulsive reader. The 12 Traditions. <clears throat> Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you very much, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 101 and we are going to be reading three paragraphs. The first one for context only. And I will ask Martha Z to start us off. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Anita. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your loving service. Um, This is Martha Z. I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism, which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation, is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We've tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. That includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain ordinary whoopee parties. To a person who has had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. You will note that we've made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If your answer to these questions, if you answer these questions satisfactorily, you need have no apprehension. Go or stay away, whichever seems best. But be sure you're on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you'll get out of the occasion, thinking of what you can bring to it. But if you're shaky, you have better work with another alcoholic instead. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, so in the beginning, it, it's, it talks about the rule, and it says, our rule is not to avoid a place where there's over, well, I'm going to say overeating, if we have legitimate reason to be there. But then they go down and, and they, have, they have an important qualification. And they say, you know, have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to this place? So they're asking us to, to, to really be honest about our motives. And I, I love the part, there's, there's that warning. It says, be sure you're on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive is thoroughly good. And so, okay, so what does that mean that we're on, on solid spiritual ground? And I guess, to me, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was thinking that we are are firmly grounded in steps 10, 11, and 12, that we are, you know, that we are through the day, we are looking at, you know, we're, we're looking at our, we're continuing to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And and when they crop up, we're doing something about them. And um, 
and we're we're staying connected to our higher power, and that we are helping others. So um, anyway, so that that was what I was thinking about about being on solid spiritual ground, and then the part that I love the most is it doesn't it says don't think about what you can get out of it. It says think about what you can bring to it. And I kind of I was thinking about this from I just want to think talk about this from a different angle and I was what I was thinking about is I was thinking about when we're going whether it is to our meetings or you know a retreat a convention um I think so many times I certainly did so many times I was thinking oh I can't wait to go here you know or any OA meeting what can I get from it you know I need this meeting and um to try to start to turn that around and think about what I could bring to it. And I, we had a very weak Monday night meeting, and I, I started to get the thought that I didn't want to go anymore because there was no recovery there. And I, I heard a very clear message from my higher power, who's God. And I heard the message, if there's no recovery there, then, then you need to bring it. And so I guess I just, I just, um, I've been so blessed whenever I've done that. I've always gotten what I needed, but it's it and then but then I've also thought about, you know, maybe what I could get to um take to someone else. So anyway, I just thought I'd just put a different spin on that. And then it says if you're shaky, you'd better work with another alcoholic instead. And um yeah, I think I um yeah, and when I do go places, you know, socially, I really do think about being with the people. You know, I'm I'm there to be with the people and connect with the people and I always pray about blessing my interactions with them. And I I know that that God will help me with the food because he he's given me this miracle that that this terrible obsession has been lifted. So, thank you all for being there. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Uh, who else would like to share on this uh, the last two paragraphs? Katie Shannon F. Charles H. Katie Lisa P. F. Hold Mary on a B. Wait, wait a minute, Katie F. from Boston. Katie, Katie G. from Boston. Charles H. Mary I B. Heard, I heard Mary B. But there was a couple ahead of you. Who? Shannon was it? Yep. Did you? Shannon F. Yep. Is it? Okay. Anyone else in, in that four? Reva P. Reva. All right. Reva P. Well, why don't we go with these these first five here? Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Mrs. Katie G. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay. Hang on one sec. Let me just get my timer. I ran. Oh, excuse my breathing. Good morning, Mrs. KDG, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And I mean, two angles I come at this, right? Because um, food was my cocaine, right? So in the beginning, in Boston, we were taught a lot of substitutions. And guys, I know the answer is God, but I also need substitutions when I don't have that spiritual awakening. So what do I do when I see food that's not my food? And I was taught, thank you, God, it's not my food. It's poison, poison, poison. Associate all that misery, shame, and remorse I've ever known with that first compulsive bite. And yes, 
I am not on this line saying that is the thing that's going to give me long-term abstinence, but it certainly brings me enough relief. And when I was first getting out of relapse, guys, you know, for a long time, years, all I could do was program. That was all I could do. I don't know why. It was all I could do. I couldn't go out to dinner. I couldn't. And yeah, maybe I wasn't, you know, spiritually fit enough, but it was where I, where I, it, it was where I was. And today, you know, I live in a house. There's food that's not my food. And, um, this line about see what you can bring to the occasion. Let me tell you, in 40 days I'm getting married, and I have to remember every single day that the wedding is not about me because this bridezilla thinks that the wedding should be about her. But every day it's like, no, this is about an honoring of my fiance, of our families. And when I take the focus off of myself, my needs get met. But I have this disease where my natural MO is that I want to rationalize and justify and defend my right to get my needs met. And what I'm taught is that death of self is successful living. And when I have food thoughts, because there are times that I still have food thoughts, I'm doing what I do every day. I'm calling all of you. I'm listening. What's going on with you? Again, when I am in the most spiritual pain, it can feel the best to hear about somebody else and what they're going through. It's what has helped me through um, all of my sex conduct issues. It says that. Like when, when you're in hard times, help another. I was listening to a piece of spiritual literature that talked about, you know, people are happier when they're helping others. So like there is a constant cognitive behavioral shift for me towards God, away from me, away from my belly button, away from my needs. And thank you, God, a day at a time, that keeps the food neutral. And when it is not, I have those mantras ingrained in my head like Pavlov's dog. Thank you, God. That's not my food. It's poison, poison, poison. And for me, the whole package works. So I'm just going to keep doing it one more day. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, Charles H. Good morning, Anita J. Charles H., a recovered... <laughs> I love you so much. Uh, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. Um, so it says, uh, therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social business or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? Um, like, I don't know about you, but... Uh, if I go to a barbershop, I'm getting a haircut. Um, you know, I'm a recovered crackhead just for today, but I guarantee you, chances are, if I go to a crack house, I'm smoking crack. There's no doubt about it. I'm not going to a shooting gallery and not shooting heroin, although that's a yet. Hopefully that's a yet that don't happen. Um, I'm not going to McDonald's to buy a salad. Let me just keep it 100 with you. And, uh, you know, no matter how much of a superman I feel like, Kryptonite will always bring me to my knees. And and binge food is kryptonite for me. And you know what? I, I'm just not testing the waters no more today. I gotta I gotta do that first step hundred percent every single day. You know, um I was working uh started working with a guy yesterday and he, he ran this oh, I don't have any particular binge foods. I emailed him back, well I, I don't know how to I, I can't help you. 
So he emailed me back real quick. All right, here here's a list of my red light foods. I got to keep it real. I got to keep it 100% real, man. I, I got to stay away from my kryptonite. And I don't know about, I don't know about if you don't have any binge. I can't help you, bro. I can't help you. So I'm just truly grateful that um, every day I'm powerless, right? You know, a, a little sidebar, you know, Overeaters Anonymous came out with that, that new workbook and it sold out. That's great for that's great for Overeaters Anonymous. That's great if it's making a revenue for Overeaters Anonymous. However, in my humble opinion, if it don't come with a bottle of willingness and action, ain't nothing going to change. Just another scheme, in my humble opinion. Because, you know, I ain't trying to come up on this line to convert anybody. If you're on this line, you're looking for a solution, hopefully. But but some people are looking for other things. Like, like I could recall, in closing, being a part of OAA, Over, Anal- Over Analysis Anonymous, just trying to, but don't worry. Dr. Bob did the same thing, and I don't think he ended up too bad. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Shannon F., you're up. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, Shannon F., originally from Duluth, now in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Top of the morning, you guys. Um, What sticks out to me in these paragraphs here was the particular locations that they were talking about to be very cautious about. They're talking about bars and nightclubs, dances and receptions, weddings. And for me, it was the social dynamics of these places that were big triggers that I really had to work a lot of step work on and still do. Um, The potlucks, when the family would invite me to dessert, Um, business dinners, etc. These are places where I could easily forget to take step one and remember that I am a compulsive overeater. And I would let the lines of the boundaries get very murky and say, oh, this person offered it to me. I should just eat it and um, be respectful. So these are places where before I go to these particular situations, I have to really get into a place of um, remembering, okay, step one, I'm a compulsive overeater. I am not healed. And this is these are some places where, yes, I need to make step nine amends with my family where I need to be present with my family or business present with my business associates, but I don't need to be stuffing my face full of food. Um, Food is everywhere from what I found out, um, but we don't have to be trapped by it. However, if we need to take a look at, if I'm not feeling strong, if I'm feeling very triggered and like I'm having the cravings, et cetera, I need to put working with another compulsive overeater first or put that on the forefront of my mind and make darn sure that I'm being very cautious if I'm in these particular situations. But it's best if I cannot go to these situations until my step work, until my spiritual house is clean. So I do the actual best I can with this. And I make sure that, like, let's say on Christmas Eve when my family has um, my binge foods everywhere, I'm willing to take a step out from the midst of the social hoorah and go call somebody. I've had many family dinners where I've stepped out onto the front porch, taken some deep breaths of fresh air, and called numerous people 
to remind myself I'm a compulsive overeater. I can't do this by myself. Here's what's going on in my inventory. Turn it over. Um, but I have to remember, like, okay, what are my motives of going to these particular places? And usually it's how to be of service to the people rather than how to be of selfishness to get self-pleasure through food. So, I mean, a lot of times with these situations, like I'll pack my own food and bring it because that gets me out of thinking about the food and gets me into thinking of how I can be of service. So I'm just incredibly grateful that, um, you know, of the author of this book, um, I pass. Thank you so much, Shannon. And now it'll be Mary B. followed by Reva P. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Good morning, and thank you so much for your service, and thank you, everyone, on the line this morning. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered compulsive eater in Central California, celebrating my 11th year of back-to-back abstinence today. Yay! (laughs) But what I wanted to share about what we've been reading these last few days about where we go and what we're exposed to. My husband and I are going on a 17-day cruise in December, and it will be, oh, I think number seven for me. Uh, And I have been abstinent on all but one. And I was warned in the beginning, oh, my God, the buffet. Oh, the buffet on the cruise ships. And I heard so much about the buffet that... For the first couple of cruises, I couldn't even tell you where the buffet was because I avoided it like the plague and didn't go near it. Well, after a few times, I think, going with uh, some people, I gave it a try. And I have a wonderful system in the buffet on a cruise ship. And it doesn't make any difference to me whether we eat at the buffet or in the dining room anymore. What I have discovered, and I've traveled quite a bit over these last um, almost 18 years, my second marriage, uh, that God, my God loves cruising. My God loves airplanes. My God loves trains. And the, the uh, challenge of weighing and measuring food on a moving train, the shuttle train going from England to France, or on a cruise ship, actually, is really something. But it can be done. And, of course, on the cruise ships, there are the wonderful um, Friends of Bill W. meetings every single day, which I certainly take advantage of. And my higher power goes to movie theaters everywhere with me. There's no place I can go. In fact, I have said to some people, I really make a terrible sponsor because I know that I can be abstinent anywhere any time, under any conditions, with my higher power and this program. So that no excuses, no excuses. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share this morning. 
Thank you very much, Mary B. And Reva P., good morning to you. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, I love the fact that this big book is so clear and specific. So it's asking me two important questions before I can um, know if I need to go somewhere. Because for me, we're here at the end of step uh, 12 where I'm practicing the principles in all my affairs. And how do I know where to go, when to go, um, how to be when I go places. So it says, first of all, why am I going? What is my motive? Now, before program, my motive was to get vicarious pleasure. I was going to a restaurant because I was already planning on the dessert I was going to have. I didn't really care about the meal. I sort of planned backwards. Or I was going somewhere because today I looked good, my hair looked good, my body looked good, and I wanted everybody to see how good I looked. Um, And those were the kind of motives. Or I was going out of resentment because I had to go and somebody in the family said I had to go and I was really angry with everybody and I was doing them all a favor that I was showing up. Um, But I've had the psychic change, thank you God, for today as a result of these steps. So I need to say, why am I going? And if I've got um, an unclean motive, I have to go back and do my step work. I have to do um, my step 10, which is a condensed form of 1 through 9 or 4 to 9, and look at what's going on. What's the resentment? What's the fear? Um, And then I can access my higher power in step 11 and say, what do you think? Do I need to go? Um, And um, what do I do when I get there? And I'm reminded that my whole um, primary purpose is to be of maximum usefulness and helpfulness. And that means, as was shared before, going to a meeting and what can I contribute? Going to a wedding, how can I contribute? Even if it's as simple as contributing to the joyfulness of the celebration because this is an important day for those people. Um, And then the second question is, am I on solid spiritual ground? Which goes back to that point. If I'm not, I have to go back and do my step work and work with another compulsive overeater um, because I don't want to be a resentful, tight-mouthed person sitting there um, grumpy. Um, It's all about what I can contribute. Um, And this also reminds me that I might be recovered, but I am totally not cured, and I only have a daily reprieve because it's not like I get to step 12 and I can go anywhere and do anything and, hey, I'm good to go, I've arrived. It's exactly the opposite. It's a daily checking in, doing the work, cleaning up my, I call it my gook, getting that out of the way, and then showing up, suiting up, and participating, whether it's at a meeting or outside with family or work or whatever. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Reva P. And now, who else would like to share on the two paragraphs? Melissa R. Melissa R. Melissa R. Judy K. Judy K. Monica T. Very Monica T. Kathy S. Larry. And was that Kathy S? Abby. Abby? Yes, Abby S. Abby Francis O. Francis O. Let's let's go. Let's go with these six, seven. Melissa C. Vanessa R. Followed by Judy K. Monica T. Larry K. Abby S. and Francis O. 
Good morning, Melissa. You're up. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Sue, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I think about it this way. You know, my disease really kept me in isolation. And, um, and so I would go to these events um, so uncomfortable that um, I needed the food to get me through them. And yet it wasn't enough because the torture of having to eat in public um, was, was, was exactly that. It was torture because I could not consume enough um, and, and feel comfortable with other people around me. And, you know, and so I hated going places. You know, the most dangerous places for me have been upstairs alone in my house, you know, sneaking downstairs to the, to the refrigerator, a lifetime of that. And so, you know, when I think about um, how incredibly grateful I am to be recovered today, um, I think about what is the purpose of me having this recovery? You know, when I, when I get right spiritually, you know, when I connect with my higher power each morning and I ask, you know, for another opportunity to live according to his will, um, I, you know, it's not get recovered so you can walk around, so that I can walk around in a thin body and feel cool. You know, it's so that I can be useful. And, you know, and so today, so long as I'm spiritually fit, and I keep saying that, um, I can go to these events that would seem horrendous before, buffets and, you know, all kinds of functions, um, because I've been given this incredible gift of recovery. And, you know, and um, having been morbidly obese and not being that way anymore, I am um, visible. And people ask me all the time, um, or, or they're looking at what I'm doing and how, how I'm doing it. And they ask me things like, you know, oh, my God, you have so much willpower. And I get an opportunity to carry God's message. And so when I bring that to every function, you know, of course not beating people over the head, but just living the message, I really am free to go anywhere. And, you know, I have a um, cocktail party Saturday night for my nephew who just got engaged. And there is nothing there food-wise for me to to, to do, um, I will eat my dinner happily before I go, and you know, and have a cup water to drink there. But I will be certainly sharing in celebrating and making a toast, and I can do that. Um, thank you. If that okay? Thank you very much, Melissa. And good morning, Nessa R. You're up. Nessa. Is this Nessa? You're you're away in the back. Hi, good good morning. Um, Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Yes. Okay, great. Just a little bit of trouble in muting there. Um, So my name is Nessa. All recovered in Toronto, Canada, and you know, trying to shield myself from temptation is. it's a futile exercise. Um, not only it doesn't it doesn't work in you know in terms of in terms of ensuring abstinence or recovery, but it's also impossible um, unless I hide myself in a cardboard box and never come out of it. Because temptation is everywhere. You know, if I if I drive to go to work, then I see 
um, ad, you know, I see uh, billboard ads for uh, different foods and, and, and restaurants. If I take public transportation, there's ads right there in the subway or the bus. Um, you know, all, all over the radio, all over TV, magazines. It is impossible to shield myself from temptation. So it's not really an effective means of um, being abstinent, staying abstinent, becoming abstinent. But also, um, I don't. It does, it, it, I, I don't go looking um, for trouble unnecessarily. I don't expose myself to trouble unnecessarily. If I have to go to a wedding, if I have to uh, go to a restaurant, you know, that's a, it's a Chinese buffet or, or, or whatever. You know, I am sure that I'm protected, and the way I do that for myself is I eat beforehand. Um, I don't, I don't um, um, wait to see if there's anything appropriate for me to eat there, because once I do that, it's a really slippery slope, and I can talk myself into um, eating almost anything. Like, almost anything becomes abstinent food if, I'm, if, I, if I leave myself open for that. Hi. Are you done? I've lost. Hello? Are you still here? Can you hear me? Who is this? Hi. It's Nessa. Can you hear me? Now I can, yes. You've got about 45 seconds more, Nessa. Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't know. Maybe I'm having a a bad connection. But um, when I'm at these occasions, I don't need to be focused on the food, uh, which I have taken out of the equation entirely by, um, by having my meal before and knowing that there's no more coming. Um, I can see, you know, if there's any, is, is there anybody there who nobody is talking to, who's not talking to anybody? Can I go and be of service to that person? You know, can I, um, you know, talk to, uh, to the people who are feeling uncomfortable there because they don't know anybody. Like, there's so many things that I can do to be of service uh, that don't revolve around food. Um, and, you know, being of service, working with another alcoholic is really what gets my mind out of the food um, ultimately. And that is my goal. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, Judy Kay, you are up. Good morning. Good morning, Nita. Thank you. Um, I don't have my, I'm not sure how to set my timer, so can you time me? Yes, I'm timing everybody. <laughs> okay, thank you, very, thank you very much. I'm Judy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Um, I want to address the whole issue of abstinence here while, um, while I am going places. And so the first thing I have to do is take care of my food because if I don't, when I'm there, my head is going to be in the food. It's going to be, am I going to get what I'm supposed to eat? What if they don't have this? What if they don't have that? Oh my gosh, what time are we? You know, what time are we eating? What I should have brought this. And so, that's what I do. I pack my meal and I make it pretty. I make it colorful. There's greens and <coughs> yellows and reds and oranges and. Um, you know, inevitably, people will say, well, where did you get that? I didn't see that on the line. Um, and so for me, there are two things that happen. One of them is that I, ca- I can carry a message that, that way. Um, but, but most of all, I, I 
taken care of what I'm supposed to be taking care of, which is my abstinence and working with my higher power and cooperating by um, not taking chances. And then I am free to um, enjoy the, the occasion or if it's a funeral, to be with the people, be fully present for them rather than worrying about my food. And um, I used to not want to do that, and I used to be embarrassed or ashamed. And today I reached a point where I could not afford to not do that, where I couldn't afford to worry about what other people thought of me and why I was doing things. Because when I went home, if I had eaten, they they would go their separate ways, and they did not have to deal with what had happened to me and how I was feeling and how long it was going to take for me to climb out of relapse. So I have to take care of me and not worry about what other people think. Then I can go and be of service to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Um and everybody, please make sure if you're not uh, going to be the speaker that you're still staying muted with the star one. Okay, Monica is next, followed by Larry Kay. Good morning, Monica T. Good morning. This is Anita J. This is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And the word that was jumping out at me here this morning in these paragraphs was motive. What is your motive? So I looked up that little word motive here. What is your cause? What is your reason? What is your driving force? What is your incentive? What is your need or desire that causes a person to do something? So what is, you know, what is behind my, my thinking here um, to go to somewheres? And they're asking us, you know, they're telling us it's okay to go to a lot of different places if we have a legitimate reason, a true, right reason. And then they're also saying that, you know, you will note we've made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to, to this place? So what's my driving force? What's my reason? Why am I going there? And um, like a lot of other people are saying, um, you know, there's been a lot of places. I can go anywhere. You know, I've also been on cruises and, and things. But I also know that I have to have the right state of mind and I have to be in a good spiritual spot. And it's also good, like other people are saying, to plan ahead. You know, if I'm going to a restaurant that I've not been to before, call them up. What do they have on your menu? You know, have some information there. Bring something with me if I need. What's my motive? And it's been so interesting over the years to see, you know, uh, I'm a real compulsive overeater. And for years and years and years, a wedding for me was the wedding cake. That's all I focused on. How much I could get, how many pieces I could get, the the biggest piece with the biggest amount of stuff on it, blah, 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 you know? How selfish. <laughs> it wasn't about, you know, I, 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 two people coming together and a lot of joy and, and, and whatnot. And today, thank you, God, as a result of doing these steps and having a spiritual awakening. He's, re- he's relieved me of those crazy thoughts, of that crazy type of thinking. You know, it's not about the food anymore. It's, you know, what's my motive for going there? You know, it's for, it's for celebrating. And always plan, you know, plan ahead. Know where you're going and what you're going to do. 
And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Monica T. And good morning, Larry King. You're up. Good morning, Anita. Can you hear me all right? Perfectly. Okay, great, great. Uh, this is Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, I, I don't know. When I, when I hear about these things, um, yeah, obviously the big book is telling us, you know, when we're not spiritually fit, we're going to have to, as we're working through these steps, um, we need to take caution, you know, and check our motives and hear all these things. Now, for me, you may be different than me, but for me, what I did is I went to meetings and I heard these different techniques. I heard lots of techniques. I didn't want to work the steps. I wasn't sure if the steps were going to work for me. And if I wasn't sure, I'm going to dabble in the steps, perhaps, at best. But the steps are what's going to remove the obsession that will drive you back to the food again and again and again. But see, for me, I I listened to people and I heard the techniques, you know, the different things. And it was like the different... The different mental, uh, you know, you know, states that you, one can be in, and the little tricks of the trade to stay out of the food, and that's all I heard. And I wrote those things down diligently, and I listened intently to the, you know, to uh, to all the different ways to, you know, to kind of skirt around the issue. But see, I had no mental defense. It wasn't if I was going to eat. Oh, I was going to eat. I was going to get out the syringe. Of course, I was going to get out the syringe at some point. So when I read this in the big book, while I, while I fully recognize it's there, we're studying the big book, I still take caution. And I want you to know that when, once the obsession is lifted, because you don't know what you don't know. If the obsession's never been lifted, I'm sorry. I don't care if you've been in, in OA for 50 years. You don't know what that feels like. But I can tell you as someone, an experienced person who has subjected myself to this process, this practical program of action, where the obsession was lifted, guess what? I no longer need techniques. Now, of course, we need to remain in fit spiritual condition, and of course, the big book is going to provide very specific ways in which we do that in steps 10, 11, and 12. I don't just work the program. I, I am the program. I work the program every day. It's, it's, not, a, it's not difficult to do. But until which time... I race through the steps. Sure, use some different techniques. Stay away from these places. But if you're not working the steps in order to have the obsession lifted where you're going to get a mental defense that you've never had before, you are invariably going to pick up. I can guarantee it. So take heed and work the steps and then see, and then see how it works for you. See what it feels like in your experience for the obsession to be lifted. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. And now, Abby. Andy. Uh, Andy, Andy what, what, just a minute, please. We have Abby S. and Francis O. If there's time, we'll go to you, Andy. I'm not sure. Thank you. All right. Abby S. Yeah, hi. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, wonderful. Um, my name's Abby S. I'm a compulsive eater from New York, and I've been listening for a while, and I've never uh, called in. I'm I'm on my commute, and I always worry that my phone isn't as clear as it should be. But um, this topic and this paragraph really um, is such a great topic. And I love what I just heard about, you know, techniques versus freedom. Um, and I have moments of freedom. You know, I, I am really working the steps. I have worked the steps. And, and then there are moments where um, the freedom kind of dissipates. 
and um, for me, you know, and what I wanted to say, which I've really heard from a lot of you, is um, just that, uh, you know, for me, it's not the events. I often feel free at events, uh, strangely, and it's the every day, right? So for me, the events that I struggle with are walking into the drugstore, you know, and walking into um, walking into a housewares store, and, you know, as I've heard, like, they're just, you know, shelves and shelves and shelves of cocaine, really, being sold to the public. And so what a great um, way of remembering that that's where I lean on my um, higher power. That's where I go back to step three and remember what my core values are that I have worked on. That's where I reach out to others. That's where, you know, what is my purpose for being here? My purpose is to be of service in the world. I'm stopping into this shop or something for, um, you know, whatever it is. And so it's so helpful to remember that that spiritual solution lies really everywhere and that we can always reach in, inside for it or however we've, you know, sort of, however I've defined my higher power. Um, and uh, I'm just so grateful to remember that this morning um, as I head into work where there's also, you know, constant, just constant, constant um, cocaine really put out for us. And, um, and, you know, I have a higher power who knows what I'm supposed to be doing in the world, and my higher power uh, reminds me of that, and I sometimes, you know, need to reach out for him or for however I define him and uh, remember what my core values are and, and how I've um, really worked to uh, find freedom. So thank you so much, and um, really thanks for your service, everybody. I love listening to you. Thank you very much for stepping up, Abby. We can hear you very well. Uh, good morning, Francis. You're up next. Good morning, friends. I am um, a compulsive overeater and food addict named Francis in upstate New York, and I'm grateful to be here, to be listening, to be abstinent again. Another 24 hours yesterday. Um, I am have a little bit of anxiety speaking into a meeting with over 300 people in it, and uh, <laughs> really? that's okay. How you that know, could someone hit star one who I hear some background yes, noise I... there. Thank you. So I just I want to say I'm grateful to be abstinent and you know there and sometimes I there you see in a in a car someone has those do, those dolls that are like a bobblehead doll that just keep nodding yes. I'm just listening to friends share their experience, strength and hope and I'm just I'm so in the right place, you know. You know, and I'm so um, I'm in a situation where I'm um, actually living without food cravings, and I didn't I didn't even know what that was. I, I'm 20 months off of sugar, flour, and wheat, and working with a sponsor and, and just doing the next right thing. And, and um, so the God of my understanding is today, for the most part, loving, loving and merciful. And one of the ways that manifests is a few months ago, someone invited me onto this meeting. That's how my God works is through through other travel, fellow travelers on this path. So I'm grateful to be abstinent and and going through some hard stuff. And people close to me are going through hard stuff, and we're not we don't have to eat over it. You know, wow. You know, because I I'm a food addict. You know, I'm I'm. Yeah. Uh, 
I live today. Today I, I have the diagnosis. I, I live with a biochemical illness to sugar, flour, and wheat. When I eat sugar, flour, or wheat, it, create, it creates cravings. Today, one day at a time, with the help of strong sponsorship, uh, I can live abstinently and, and progressively, one day at a time, a little more free. So I'm uh, much love to you all, and I'll hit star one. Thank you very much. Yes, there is somebody else on who is on a speakerphone, actually. You can hear it. All right. And Andy, we have time for you. What's the initial of your last name, please? <clears throat> yeah, B B is in boy. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Hey, uh, I appreciated all the shares, and I'm going to try to keep it uh, bullet point. Basically, here's the deal. I think I have to remember what the steps are saying, which is I don't work the steps to become evolved so that I am a master over food. I work the steps to realize I'm not a master of blankety-blank anything, um, and I am totally, totally, totally dependent upon a higher power. That does not mean that my work is unimportant. Um, it's just to put it in the right perspective. And one, I, I love movies, and one of the images I like a lot is this, you know, the Raiders of Lost Ark, where this guy is eternally busy trying to accomplish something, and at the end, he's totally, totally, totally dependent upon the supernatural to protect him. And again, steps one, two, and three say, I absolutely can't. I really need to keep my focus, my motive pointed towards my higher power, um, because I cannot tell you how many times that it was my higher power in between me and whatever food um, or whatever else is out there. And, um, and again, I just say that because sometimes, sometimes I confuse the work I do with my higher power, and they are not equivalent, absolutely blankety-blank not. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much, Andy B. Uh, anyone have a one-minute share? They want Linda to? D. Linda, go ahead. Linda D., you're up. Hi, this is Linda D. Not having to shield ourselves from temptation, I aspire to that. As someone who's in Step 3, working with a vision sponsor, getting ready to do my Step 4, and as someone who's been in another food program that had a very strict um, approach, I can say that I still have to shield myself. And, you know, I just think if I were a beginner, a total newbie coming into the meeting at this point in the work, I might think, well, gosh, maybe I shouldn't tell my friends. Maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I could go to the restaurant. But I just want to say that I, from my experience personally, have to be very cautious. And it doesn't mean I'm not working because I haven't had the, um, I haven't had what it takes yet to be able to do that. I look forward to it. I know I will. I have faith in that. But right now I have to shield myself, and that's okay. And that's all I have to say today. Thank you very much for being on the line, and thank you for sharing and for this fellowship and all of you that talk to everybody on the phone. And that I pass. Thank you very much. You brought it right in on a minute. Thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
And we will now close, as we always do, with a reading from the big book on page 164. And Katie F., would you please read our vision for you, for us? Good morning. I'm Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.